glory to God. Hallelujah. I know some people think we've lost our minds. No, I've just had a visitation. Amen. You know, but let me, let me try to put it to a place that some of you might understand. Oh, glory to God. You know, not everybody likes this kind of praise. That's okay. This church isn't meant for everybody, and I'm glad of that. But see, I, what, what, what most people don't understand is once you've had a visitation from him, he'll change everything. He'll change your expectation. He'll change your reaction. Uh, let me put it this way. Uh, if you've ever, how, how many of you ever went on a first date and even before you went on it, you were all struck and in love? Oh, come on. Long, long going there saying, oh, see, but see, at least you still remember. And you know what it was like when you were in their presence and you couldn't wait to see them again. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. You couldn't wait just to set your eyes upon them again. Some of you all better get that back into your, in your relationships. Glory to God. That's what it is when you, when you have a visitation from Jesus. You can't wait to see what he will do next. You can't wait to see how he's going to change your life next. You can't wait to come into his presence and as he passes by and he begins to do what only he can do. Amen. It will change you forevermore. And so some of you, you need to just start making your prayer. God, I don't want to just visit church, but I want you to visit me. Oh, hallelujah. It, we're we're going to get there today in our word, I believe, uh, because we, we need a visitation. There are some of us that you, you are desperate for an invitation and you don't even know it. Mm. My God, desperate for a visitation. Hallelujah. He, he's never going to visit and do in this city what we're believing God to do if we don't let him visit us. Oh, come on. Don't go to sleep on me yet. I said he is never going to be able to do in this city what we're believing him to do in this city if we're not going to let him visit us. Hallelujah. But if you'll let him visit you, he'll, he'll bring about a change. Amen. That old song we used to sing, there's something on the inside, moving on the outside, bringing about a change in my life. Some of you need to allow him to bring about a change in your life. Maybe that's too old Pentecostal for some of you. I don't know. We used to sing it all the time. Anybody else? My God, I was the only one. No, nobody else heard that. Uh, Lord, I'm going to have to teach you a thing or two. What'd you say? Wow, I am just blown away. You hadn't been in real Pentecostal church until you sang that song. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So many great things happening. Hallelujah. So many great things. Even through last week's service, some testimonies came in. Hallelujah. We're grateful for how God is moving and touching and healing. Some folks aren't here today. Angela even wanted to testify how God touched her. She was so excited and uh, just overwhelmed by how God had touched her, even though she wasn't here. And that's what I love. That's what we were believing God for, that the presence of God would fill people's homes and touch them even then they're, though they're not with us, that we're just going to agree together. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. Yes. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, glory. 
He's worthy. Mm. He's so worthy. My God, He's worthy. Lord Jesus, if the church could just, if you could set your attitude aside and just get into His presence and just acknowledge that He's worthy. I don't care what you're lacking. I don't care what you're going through. If you can acknowledge He's worthy, you're setting yourself up for God to do something. You're setting yourself up for Him to show up and show off as only He can. Glory, glory, glory. He's worthy. God Almighty. Hallelujah. Praise his mighty name. Mm. Glory. Yes, God. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, y'all waiting on me to go into the message. I haven't, I haven't got to preach much the last few weeks. Hallelujah. I believe we're going to go to Acts chapter 1. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. I, I know a lot of churches don't even acknowledge it. I think it's important. Uh, too many Christians don't even know what it is, don't understand it. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. This is really the prelude, though. So I'm not going to preach about it, but we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do a little pre, prelude to it. Oh, how many of you know? Acts chapter 1, and you shall receive power. You shall receive power. Power, power, wonder-working power. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 1, I think we'll read the first eight verses. Lord, how many in here like to wait? How many like to go to the doctor and wait? Or wait in the checkout line or wait at the bank? Everywhere you go now, you wait. Anybody else get annoyed like me when you got to wait? Yes. But I don't like waiting, and I, and I honestly don't even like waiting on the Lord when I have to. I get impatient with him. I say, God, can you come on and please hurry up? Come on, no, no, but don't don't judge me. Some of y'all do the same thing. You just say it in a nicer way. I, as blunt as I am here, I'm blunt with God. I say, God, can you come on and please hurry up? I need this to be done over with. I, I need to be moving on, God. Hallelujah. And yet sometimes he needs us to wait. Glory to God. Let's let's look at this. Acts chapter 1. Hallelujah. Verse 1. Oh, my. The former account I made. Oh, Theopolis. 
of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Oh, yes. Of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. In other words, he's not done yet. Until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days, <clears throat> and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. In other words, wait. <laughs> uh, I just need you to stay right here, boys, and I need you to wait until I show up. Hallelujah. Look what he says. He says, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he, and he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. In other, way, in other words, it's none of your business. He just said it more politely. Look what he says in verse 8. When he says, after he says, it's not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. He says in verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Oh, hallelujah. But you shall receive power. Power. Don't get too excited. Power. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Power. That's what he said. You shall receive power. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, speak to us in only a way in which you can. Mm. God, help us in this moment. I thank you, Father, that you would release your anointing, which destroys every yoke. Lord, your anointing would be released to bring forth the word to help and bring hope healing, restoration, and set people free in your house. Help us to hear the truth of your word today. We come against every plot, plan, and assignment of the enemy, every demonic influence now. And we thank you that, Lord, our ears are open, our hearts are ready to receive in the name of Jesus. And we will receive and hear all that, God, that you desire for us to hear today. God, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise because you are worthy. 
and we love you in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. You shall receive power. Oh, but he tells them they have to wait. Oh, need you to go and wait. But power will come. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. What I love about this particular text is uh, there's sort of a, a dynamic I want to try to to look at in our time together uh, this morning, that there are some things that happen within a place of isolation that will not happen in a crowd. This time in, in the life, of, as we read in the text, it is different than when uh, Jesus, before the crucifixion, because he... When Jesus comes back and now he's visiting, remember I said visiting, he, he, was, he was just visiting with the, uh, these men. Before, they, he was with them day in and day out, but now he's in a season where he's just visiting them. And there are some things, and, and by him visiting them, see, Jesus had forsook uh, seeking out the crowds. Instead, he was really looking to visit those who only knew him. Oh, God. There's, I almost just preached on that alone because there's some power right there. How many of you know some people will seek the crowd? Mm. Jesus was no longer interested in ministering to the masses. Instead, he was desiring to just minister to the people that knew him and knew him the best. Hallelujah. Sometimes, how many of you know that sometimes we just have to be around the people that know us and know us the best? You know, the ones that we can be real with. Where you can be nice and fine, but you can also show your ugly side and it's okay. Oh, I know. I, nobody else has an ugly side but me. And so, hallelujah. Jesus wanted to be with the people who knew him and understood him the most. And he was seeking them out. He, he was no longer going to seek to feed the 5,000 and to, to be in the midst of massive crowds of people. But instead, he was just visiting these men that he once had spent many, many, many hours with, many, many days with at a time. And, 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 and yet, not seeking the crowd, not seeking the, the praise of people, because we all know uh, even the praise of people didn't end up in the greatest of ways, because he even still died on a cross like any ordinary man of the time. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. This particular text, I choose this because this particular text is really important because it comes at a place of really powerful and great transition. Because we often, I think most people often miss the trauma that's associated with the text. Missing and, and recognizing that there are, not all of the former disciples are present. Judas had committed suicide. Remember, even the Bible said that Thomas had went to a place of doubting. And even Peter was, uh, went through a period where he was denying that he even was with Jesus. Amen. And then he showed his ugly side, and we'll just leave it at that. And 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 so there was a lot of trauma. And how many of you know that everybody in this room, you react under certain amounts of pressure differently. 
Amen. That, that all of us, we, when we go through life, all of us react a little bit different. Thomas, under the pressure, started to doubt. Yeah. Uh, Peter, under the pressure, went to cussing. Everybody responds different. Boy, you're all quiet today. I, I know it's a holiday weekend, but uh, relax. We're, we'll get there. These were, were men like you and I, and yet they, they didn't handle it rightly. And a lot of times people will preach, and we, we cast judgment upon Thomas for doubting, and we'll cast judgment upon Peter for his reaction and his outburst of anger and his impatience and things like that. But we're forgetting the fact of all the pressure they were under, that, that they, were, they were also being sought because of who they were to be killed. If they would have found him and got a hold of them, they would have ended their life. Amen. And so there was a certain amount of pressure that they were under, not just, not, not just because they had walked with Jesus, but because the people had known them, people had known that what they had been th uh, through, and they had given up everything in their life to, to live and walk with Jesus for three years. To be a part of his ministry, they walked away from their families and they gave finances and some of them even left their businesses to be with Jesus. Think about that. And so when all the, th the events that have transpired and as Jesus goes to the cross and, and, and all the events that are taking place, these men have been under a tremendous amount of pressure and not all of them handled it quite as well as maybe some of you think you would. I don't always handle pressure well. Hallelujah. We even read in the text, they thought that, uh, they, they kept asking Jesus time and time again, Lord, or, or is, it, is now the time where you're going to establish your kingdom? Remember, we read that, right, in, even in this chapter, even in the midst of his visitation. He tells them, hey, that there, there's going to come a time that I'm going to go away and, 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 and all of these things. And yet in that same visitation, they ask him, yeah, Lord, that's great, but, but or, or is it now that you're going to set your kingdom up? Is it now that you're ready to, to bring your kingdom to earth? He says, oh, but, but that's, that's not the most important. And you can almost hear the, the frustration. He he's in, in some way just rebukes them. And what I love about this is as they were getting closer to that end, uh, and, it, and, it, and it didn't go the way that the disciples thought, the, the disciples were really be in a place of being tested. How many of you know that discipleship is really rooted in discipline? And Jesus disciplines them and kind of brings correction and says, nope, it's not for you to know, uh, brothers and sisters. But, but he said, and so discipleship is really tested when we don't always get our way. Way. How many of you know that God really knows how submitted and in line we are with him and what he wants to accomplish when things don't always go our way? Mm-hmm. When, when things don't go in the right way for our children, we know just how submitted they really are. Hallelujah. It's hard. But yet we're people we always sort of want what we want and we want it our way and when we want it and they wanted to see God, his kingdom. They, they wanted to see it. But, and the reason they wanted to see it was because they, they were under the impression that if he established his kingdom on the earth that they'd have a place. Oh, see, even those that know you are looking for a position. Oh, I know no church person ever is looking for a place. Oh, no. No, no, no. Jesus set us free. Hallelujah. But they were so in tune and they were so focused on the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. And yes, it's important. But, but they, they were misunderstanding 
what Jesus had been teaching and talking about the kingdom and they were expecting it to be there and, 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 and in that moment, in that time. And so they were getting frustrated with the fact that they weren't seeing it come to pass and that they maybe didn't have a place, hallelujah, in that moment, uh, that they didn't have a place on his board, hallelujah. And, and so they were, they were missing a few things along the way. Thank you, Jesus. Help us, Lord. We're missing a few things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And so, see, the disciples, they wanted him to be, Jesus, to be their king and their ruler. They wanted him to be all those things, and they saw him as king. But what they did not really see as Jesus was trying to prepare them and teach them about the kingdom as they, the disciples didn't see the cross before it was time to see the cross. But I want you to understand something that you and I can't be a king. Nobody can be a king without having a cross. There's not a leader that we'll ever know that'll be a leader that won't have a cross. That's true. Everyone that's called to be a leader in some place, it's easy to sometimes sit back and, and, and make judgment and think they could do better. Amen. But we often don't see the cross. Hallelujah. And they didn't see the cross. Even, even though they walked with him daily, they, they didn't fully understand what was coming and when it was coming leading up to it. But every king has a cross. We don't always see it, but it is there. Hallelujah. It's there. Thank you, Jesus. Father, mm. my God, somebody start praying right now. My God, glory to God, I mean it, glory, glory, glory. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus, in this place. Mm. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. Shiratanamasi. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Lord, you're worthy. And we'll just exalt you and we'll praise you. Despite every attack or plan of the enemy. You foul spirit of divination. You, that spirit of python we talked about last week, we just arrest you with our praise today. 
we arrest you with our, the glory and honor that we give King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We magnify the name of Jesus. We exalt him above everything else. We, we, we serve notice to you, devil. We serve eviction notice even now. We, we, we just put you on notice today that, that you have no authority, that you have no place within this, uh, within this ministry, within this place today, within the lives and minds and hearts of people today. So we command you to release your hold. We command you to go. We, we take the rightful authority that God has given us, that, that has been declared, decreed in the word of God. And we thank you today. We walk in that authority. We won't settle for mediocre church. We won't settle for a ah, mediocre word today, but we're just going to decree, declare. We sang freedom and we're going to believe freedom. We, 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 we decreed it over this place and we're going to receive it now in this place in the name of Jesus. So we rebuke everything, every spirit on assignment, every, every, every a territorial spirit, hallelujah, every spirit specifically sent today to try to stop what God has been doing, what he will do and what he desires to do. And we just give you glory and honor and praise and we just, we just honor the Lord in this place today. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Greatly are you to be praised in this place. Hallelujah. You are greatly to be praised in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Just maintain an open heaven over this place today. Release your presence. Release your glory. Hallelujah. To you, God, be the, all the glory and the honor and the praise. God, we don't seek our own glory. We don't seek to have our name in light. Say, God, we just lift up the name of Jesus, uh, the name above ever the name. In fact, we just decree this is the, the Lord's. This is the house of the Lord's. Uh, this is the Lord's day. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, this is the Lord's day. Hallelujah. We are more than a conqueror through Christ which strengthens us. Uh, even the word of God declares a thousand will fall at one side, 10,000 at the other, but it will not come nigh me. We bind and arrest every religious spirit even now. Hallelujah. Every religious spirit even now that doesn't like a move of God. We just say, too bad, too bad, too bad in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Have your way in this place, oh God. Have your way in this place, oh God. Have your way in this place, O oh God. Yes, we, we arrest those religious spirits. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. They're all around. They're all around. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some people can't handle our kind of worship, so they leave. Uh, just, just, we, we just say, let them go. My God, my God, go. Go. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, glory, honor, and praise to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Mm. Jesus. Hey, my God. See, sometimes you just got to stop and remind the devil who is in charge. When I start feeling that thing starts strangulating me, I, the, the devil is a liar. 
Hallelujah. Some of you don't understand what I'm talking about. You will. But the devil is a liar. The Bible says he is seeking, worming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. He will send spirits on assignment. My God, even last week we, we called it out, that the divination, amen. He'll use religious spirits, all kind of things to try to stop what God wants to do. But the devil is a liar. And so God will be glorified, magnified, and lifted up in this place today. Somebody say amen. Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes. Woo. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, hey, I preached once with a bloody nose. How many remember that story? I did. I got up to preach. I was at a big conference. Hey, it started to bleed, and I thought, well, you ain't going to stop me, you dumb devil. I looked over at the ushers and the armor bearers and I said, give me some towels. We took those towels. I'm not even lying. So I don't mean to gross you out. The devil is a liar. We twisted them and I shoved them up my nose just for a couple minutes until we got to stop. You know, they want you to lay down, but both nostrils. I mean, I was bleeding right as I got up to preach. We plugged up that nose and I still preached because I thought ain't no devil in hell going to stop me from bringing this word that needs to come forth to these people. Hallelujah. You have to remind the devil who you are. Hallelujah. Don't declare and decree the word of God over your, your life and then cower down when something comes up against you. Stand in the face of the enemy and every opposition. Amen. Call him a liar. Remind him who he was. There are times I just look him dead in the eye and say, Stevel, I remember. And I declare the word of you that I saw you fall like lightning from heaven. You, you dumb demon, you. So I, I, I just remind you, you don't have authority over me in this place. But because you fell, I've been given authority. Hallelujah. So I now get to do what you used to get to do. Hallelujah. I get to praise the Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. You got to remind him of his failure. And when you remind him of his failure, he'll leave because nobody wants to be reminded of how we failed. Oh, come on. And the devil is a failure. Yes, he is. He is a failure. Just say that he's a failure. Oh, my God. He's a failure over your family. He's a failure over this city. Oh, come on. He's a failure over you. I know some of you are chicken because you're afraid to say it. You're afraid of the devil. But he's a failure over your family and over your finances. He's a failure over your, your education, my God. He's a failure over your business. Hallelujah. He's a failure over our families and our, and our city. Glory to God. He's a failure over this church. No weapon formed against us would prosper. And every tongue that rises against us will be condemned. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. See, that's why I don't even get upset when people talk about me. Oh, people say all kind of stuff. You just need to learn to just let it run off your back like water off a duck's back. Let them talk, because I've learned that God uses gossip and slander as my protection. 
You know why people will gossip and slander and talk about you? Because God's keeping them away from you to protect you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let them talk. Let them say whatever it is they want to say. You don't need those kind of people close to you. Anyway, I stopped fighting every one of those devils a long time ago. Let them say what they're going to say. They're always going to have something to say. And those kind of people you don't need in your circle anyway. So that, that's just God's protection. God uses rejection as his protection. Oh, somebody today. Hallelujah. Let them talk. Let them talk. Say what they're going to say. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yes, but you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Jesus, help me. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Remember I said the disciples were getting frustrated with Jesus because it wasn't working out the way they thought. And they were getting maybe a little impatient and irritable because they wanted to see the kingdom established. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They were under a place of pressure. They were all reacting sort of differently, but I've learned something. That's how you and I know who's really with us, by how the people around us handle the pressure. Oh, hallelujah. We need to start paying attention to the people that are around us and how they handle pressure. Those are telltale signs of those that you need to keep assembled around you. Because I've learned this. Anybody can be with you and I in a place of exaltation. Oh, it's easy for all the church to be with you when, when you're in a place of exaltation, when everything's going good and looking good and going right, but it always takes a special person to be with you in a place of aggravation. Oh, yes. Special people. There are people that are called to be assigned to you that they can live through a place of aggravation with you. In other words, you get on their nerves and they'll love you anyway. Hallelujah. Amen. It, it wouldn't be right. Every pastor is supposed to get on people's nerves. I'm telling you, you should get irked sometimes and impatient and irritable and stuff because otherwise you're not entirely human, right? But, but we, are a, we are a spirit being having a natural experience, right? And so because I'm a spirit being first, it's only natural that my natural being is going to get a little irritated sometimes and impatient, right? And so that happens. But it's, it's interesting how God will send the right people to be connected to us that they can live through those aggravating periods because of something that they see greater. That's the reason some of y'all still able to be married. Hallelujah. Because you got the one that can endure the things that you do to aggravate them. And then some of us are not. Hallelujah. Because I'll be the first to admit I'm just a little bit much for some of y'all. All right. Yes, just ask her. She'll tell you he's a bit much. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's more than enough. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Yes. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. time's getting away from me so let me just fast forward this and get to the crux of where I need to go you always know I like to take a long way to get where we need to go but not today mm-hmm she said I hear you over there that mm-hmm means I'm hungry 
And pastor, if you don't shut up, I'm going to be hangry. Come on. See, I know. See, you can interpret those. Mm-hmm. Earlier in church, they're like, mm-hmm. Like, amen, pastor, come on. As time goes, mm-hmm. And then it gets a little bit more sarcastic. Do you want to give us the example? Mm-hmm. With a little bit more attitude. And it's like, come on, preacher. Get to the point. I hear it. I hear it. Hallelujah. Everybody on TV is like, what? Because they can't hear all that. That's why you should be here. Hallelujah. Listen. This is an interesting time because what I like about chapter one, Luke wrote the book of Luke and he also writes Acts. And it's interesting as you read and go from the book of Luke and then you begin reading Acts, it sounds as if someone else wrote it. But he didn't. It's just there was a change sort of in the season. How many have ever been through some change? And so that's why it sounds different than the book of Acts, although it's the same person, because they had been through some stuff. And anybody who ever been through anything, it will cause you to sound a little different. Some people say, you, you sound different. Somebody said that to me at the fellowship meal. You, you just sort of sound. <laughs> the reason I sound the way I do is because I've been through some stuff. And so because I've been through some stuff, it will cause a maturing. Some pastor said to me the other day in Brownsville, he stopped and visited. He said, Pastor, you've got to be able to share some of the wisdom that comes oozing out of you. His eyes lit up. He was just absorbing everything. He said, you've got to teach me how you're able to do all those things that you do and all this stuff that you keep talking about. He said, you need to teach. I said, just because I've been through some stuff. And when you've been through some stuff, it'll cause you to sound different. How many of you know that my 43-year-old, 53, 43-year-old self doesn't sound like my 23-year-old self used to? Why? Because we've been through some stuff. Amen. I learned some things along the way. And, 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 and Luke learned some things along the way. He learned more about Jesus, but he learned some stuff about himself too. My God. Because he had been through some stuff. He went through a season of transition. See, they went through a period when Jesus was crucified. And, and the Jews weren't just happy with killing Jesus. And then, you know, Jesus ends up, the tomb's open. They think someone stole, stole the body. There was all kind of rumors. If you read your Bible, you'll know. I've got to hurry. So some people had rumors that the, and they saw angels. Others just said that they heard rumors that someone stole him. But everybody recognized the tomb was empty and Jesus' body wasn't there. But some disciples had known by now he had appeared and shown himself to them. But everybody else was freaking out who wasn't in the circle. Where is he? And so the disciples, these apostles, were having to sort of run in for their life. They were scared. And so they went into a place of isolation. Oh, God. A place of isolation, because how many know that, that sometimes we go to a place of isolation back when, remember when COVID started, how the government was like, y'all got to quarantine for 14 days, 15 days to stop the spread, 30 days to stop the spread. Why? Because they were trying to protect us. Right or wrong, whether it worked or didn't work, you know, whatever. They were trying to protect us. We won't go there today. I'll spare y'all. 
But isolation is used as a form of protection. So they were isolating, hiding behind closed doors, the Bible says, worried for their own life. Jesus shows up to them and visits them during this time. What we're reading in Acts chapter 1 is the transition is from them being and living in isolation to because of the visits of Jesus and because of the life-giving words that he's still giving, their place of isolation goes from isolation, uh, hiding out of a place of fear, sister, to a place of seclusion where they're expecting something greater. And there's a difference. Oh, if I had the time, I'd help you to understand there is a difference between isolation and seclusion. We like to almost make it the same, but it is not the same. Isolation is a way to keep you safe. Seclusion is a means for, for, for you to recognize that I, I am set aside waiting for something greater. There is a difference Oh, my God. See, initially, they were hiding. In a, somebody hearing me today, initially, they were hiding for their lives. I'm going to hide because I don't want nobody to find me because if they find me, they're going to kill me. But because Jesus visited them, I wonder if anybody's ever had a visitation from Jesus. Remember what I said earlier? See, when Jesus visits you, it will change everything. When Jesus visits you, it will change your attitude. Really what these men had was an attitude adjustment. Why? Because of a visitation from Jesus. Oh, a lot of the church needs an attitude adjustment. And the reason they haven't got it yet is because the real Jesus hasn't shown up yet. Oh, God. See, maybe I need to say that again. The reason most of us have such an attitude in our churches is because the real Jesus hasn't shown up yet. Yeah, I'm looking at you. I'm serious. The real Jesus. And so the disciples, they were, look, one had doubted, another committed suicide, and one went to cussing. They needed an attitude adjustment. Come on. My mama used to say to me, because I loved to back talk, and I mean, you know, I was a bad back talker, sister. I was a preacher's kid. What did you expect? I lived up to it the best of my ability. Let me tell you, I was not good. I would back talk all kind of things I wasn't supposed to do. I mean, I would. I, I could tell you stories, but I won't. Listen, I, 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 I was all of those things. And my mama would say to me, son, you need an attitude adjustment. Why? I learned it from you. That's what I'd say. I was mouthy. She said, come here, boy. She, Mama would know she knew how to fire me up. I got like that until one day I had children of my own. Oh, Lord, Mama used to say, son, whatever you sow, you will reap. Oh, Jesus, did I reap? Oh, hallelujah. Yes, I did. Not one bad attitude. But two bad attitudes of the three. Glory to God. I mean, anybody say double portion? Oh, yes. Both my daughters, they can give it to you. Until I had a visitation from Jesus. I had one of those attitudes. I want to tell you something. It was the visitation from Jesus 
that changed everything. It was the visitation from Jesus that took them from a place of isolation, saying that, that, that they were running out of fear to a place where they were able to, to go from a place of isolation to a place of seclusion where God was saying, I'm setting you aside for something more, for something greater. And so instead of them hiding out of, out of in the root and the reason being fear, he said, I want you to go and, and allow yourself to be secluded so that you can be set aside for something more and something greater so that you can get your attitude right to receive what I'm about to bring to you. Amen. See, because see, if they would have stayed in a place of fear, they would not have been able to to fully receive what Jesus was telling him in his visitation. Hallelujah. How many of you know that when Jesus shows up in our services, he's trying to prepare you for what he's about to cause you to receive. And so sometimes he'll show up to adjust our attitude. Sometimes he'll just show up to, to draw us in closer. But every visitation, he has a reason and he has a purpose, glory to God, something to accomplish, something to accomplish, to, 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 to draw you and I into a place of seclusion. See, I think what the church has done well is the church has done really well at causing us to be an isolated people. Meaning that we're, we're, the church is good and, and we're really good at standing here and pointing our finger and telling everybody where they're wrong. And what that's done is isolated us so much or insulated us from the world that now the world don't even understand us. Can't relate to us. They don't like us. They call us all kind of things. We look like freaks. Hallelujah. But God, what he always intended was that the church would be secluded to be able to receive something greater from heaven so that then, according to Matthew, we can go all ye into the world. Preach the gospel. Amen. And be able to draw all men unto him. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But instead, we've chosen to be isolated instead of secluded, and there's the difference. I'm so isolated that I'm insulated, and now I can't relate to the world. But even Jesus rubbed his shoulders up against the world. Oh, hallelujah. But we're good at judging. We're good at telling everybody who ain't welcome. What kind of people and who ain't going to make heaven? Hallelujah. Us and our nasty gossiping tongue. Oh, hallelujah. I know you're not shouting me down, but it's the truth. It's the truth because we've allowed ourselves to be so isolated that we're not in a place where I can be secluded, where I'm in a place to fully receive all that he has for me. Maybe that's the reason that some of us aren't where we know that God intends us to be because instead you, you misinterpreted isolation for seclusion and God says, no, there is a difference. There is a difference. Don't, 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 don't think because you're set aside and isolated from all of those others that you're secluded to receive what I have for you. Oh, no, 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 no. You've just insulated you so you don't get hurt no more. So you're, you've just insulated yourself so it's harder to get hurt. But what I really needed you to do was allow yourself to be secluded and not, and not, not isolated. Secluded, set aside so that if you're secluded, see, then I can visit you. Oh, you're seeing the difference, are you? The difference. Remember, the Bible says that Jesus, when he visited him, he was able to walk through the door. Spirit enough to walk through the door, but man enough to sit down and eat some food. And they were only able to have that kind of visitation. My God, somebody. Because they were in a place of seclusion. Not in isolation. See, I believe that when... I believe much of the church missed the opportunity when, when the world was faced with the virus and things started shutting down. We missed the opportunity. 
what God was really trying to do was shut us down from all of our nonsense in the church. Causing us to stop programs that weren't making a difference and, and smoke and lights and, and singers that thought their names were bigger than Jesus and lights and all of those things. And we missed it. Because what God was really trying to say is, I want to seclude my church for such a time as this. But instead, we isolated ourselves and made ourselves a greater distance from the world than it was ever before. Oh, hallelujah. Because we've misinterpreted the difference between isolation and seclusion. Hallelujah. That's a word for somebody today. You've been so isolated that you've not allowed yourself to be secluded, meaning I'm set aside for something more. What, 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 what? You, you've been praying for a, a spouse, but see, you've, you've been too isolated to get one. Oh, my. What you really need to be secluded. You set apart for something greater. And there is a difference. If I'm isolated, I'm too insulated to get near anybody. But if I'm secluded, it means I'm set apart for, for them. Hallelujah. I, I am chosen. I've been called and named. I've been marked. Amen. What Jesus was saying to them is, hey, hey, hey I need you to understand I'm going to go. But when I go, another's going to come as a replacement like me, but different. And so I need to do this. He, he was letting them know there was another coming. They're like me, but they're different. There's something greater that I want you to experience. Hallelujah. He, and he said, but you shall receive power now. God, there's so much I want to give you in the name of Jesus, but we've got to get to the point. See, I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting frustrated because there's so much bubbling to say, give it to you. And, and, and oh, Jesus. Rev on, Rev. Be careful. Be careful, David. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I got to go. Because there's one like me, but different going to come. He says, I need you to go to Jerusalem and I need you to wait. Oh, what every Christian believer loves to do, wait. I think it's Tasha Cobb sings that song. I don't mind waiting, waiting on you, Lord. And I said, yes, I do, Lord. I do, but I'm, I'm really trying not to mind to wait. But I have learned that his timing is always perfect. And so I've learned to just get real with God and say, Lord, I really don't like waiting, but I know that everything is done in your perfect time. And so while I'm waiting, I'm going to trust you. While I'm broken, I'm going to trust you. While I'm broke, I'm going to trust you. Lord, while I'm hurting, I'm going to trust you. God, in everything, I will give you praise. Lord, in everything, you're worthy. And so he tells him, I need you to go to Jerusalem, and I just need you to wait. And he prepares them. For, for this outpouring that we're going to see in Acts 2 next week. He prepares them for it because they said, I need you to go to a place and I need you to wait. In other words, I need you to come from your place of isolation and get into a place of seclusion. It's a place of expectation. It's a place where you're going to believe me for more, where you're not going to see that this is the end, where, where you won't just 
understand and believe that I'm only here to visit you when I show up and you can see me. Oh, somebody needs to hear what I'm saying. He said, I'm trying to prepare you for something greater that, 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 that even though you might not see me as a visitor, that though I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth, that, that I need to go so that, that another who is the Holy Ghost can come and be with you always are you hearing me just like I was with you always when I walked the earth he said I need to go so that another could come he said so I need to take you through this transition of isolation into a place of seclusion because what I have for you I need you to get now watch this in that same chapter I gotta move I gotta move in that same chapter while he's preparing them and we see this transition read it again and if you're not seeing the transition read it again and read it again instead of your word read the end of Luke and then read the beginning of Acts and you'll see the, the progression and the transition I, I don't have time to teach it like I would in Bible college maybe you remember when I taught this in Bible college I don't know but there is it's phenomenal it's phenomenal if you will take the time to watch this transition now the, the, the disciples say in the middle of Jesus saying, now, all this is going to happen. You need to go. You need to wait. And you're going to receive power. Oh, that his disciples still hadn't got it. They say, yeah, but what about the kingdom? What about my place on the board? That's what they said. That's what we read. What about me, Jesus? I mean, thank you. You died on the cross, rose again. But, but what about me? It's awesome that, 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 you, that you fed 5,000 with just a few fish and loaves of bread, but, but what about me? I mean, it, it's really cool that you say this Holy Ghost you know, is going to come, but, but what about me? Jesus says, it's not for you to know. It's none of your business. It's not for you to know that just yet. He goes on to help them to understand. In that final verse. But you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. But you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Watch this. And you shall be witnesses. To me in Jerusalem. Look at that. You're not going to be a witness. Until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In other words. Jesus is saying to them. You're not going to know what I know until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're not going to have access to the classified information. Oh, watch this. Until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The difference between people who are spirit-filled and everybody who says, oh, that's of the devil, is what you know. It's what you know. Jesus said it right there, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. This was his answer to them saying, what about my place on the board? He's saying, when you receive the, the Holy Ghost, you're going to receive power and then you're going to be able to witness. You're going to understand and know what I know. In other words, watch this. I, 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 we'll, we'll layer this next week. In other words, he's saying, a in other words, see, these same men witnessed the feeding of the 5,000. But he was saying, but you're not a witness yet. They watched the healing of Jarius' daughter, but you're not a witness yet. Oh, 
how many of you know that not everybody who walks with you can go with you where you're going? But sometimes they have to really go through and pass the test. Amen. That's what Jesus was saying. Hey, you're going to receive power. And once you do, you're going to receive this power. And then you're going to be by witnesses. These disciples, they had seen the feeding of the 5,000. They had seen Jairus' daughter raised. They had been there when, when he called Lazarus forth and Lazarus come up. They had been there at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Amen. But Jesus, as insulting of a way as he could say it, was saying, but you're not a witness yet. In other words, he's saying, you're not going to know what I know and have access to the classified information that I have access to from my Father in heaven until the Holy Ghost. That's why, listen, that's why the church needs the Holy Ghost. This is how you and I have access to things that we never were able to live through. Let me put it another way. That's why whenever I read the Bible in, in Genesis and he says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. There's something in my spirit lets me be able to have access to see and understand and have revelation of that moment, even though I was never there. Why? Because my spirit was with God. And so that deja vu that I get, I feels like I've been there before. It's because my spirit has a memory of my future that my mind struggles to comprehend somebody. In other words, I saw it because my spirit was with God long ago. I've lost some of you already. But the point is, is that you and I need the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is that classified information that God's people are supposed to have access to, to be able to discern what's going on around us, to have access to the power. And Jesus told his own disciples who had witnessed many miracles, you're not a witness. You don't know what I know and you don't have access to the classified details of what my plans and purposes are until you have the Holy Ghost. That's why we need the Holy Ghost. You, you all want to understand what's going on in the world? You need the Holy Ghost. I said we need the Holy Ghost. I, and let me tell you, the Holy Ghost is bigger than a goosebump. Stop deducing him as powerful and awesome as he is, as part of the Godhead to a goose pimple. Jesus, God Almighty. That makes me want to just slap somebody. I, I'm telling you, some churches, can you just feel his presence? The goosebumps. Get out of here. The presence of God is more than a goose pimple. That's just the evidence that he's showing up. What are you going to do when you actually feel that? Are you and I actually going to surrender to it? Amen. Because the Bible says in Acts 2, when they were all in one place, in one mind, in one accord. Oh, my God. What's it say? And they were praying. Suddenly, there was a sound of us, a rushing mighty wind. Oh, my God. The Holy Ghost started showing up. That's what we're talking about. The Holy Ghost started showing up. And it said that while they were in united and praying, and there was as if tongues as a fire. Oh, my God. Why? Because they were in praying. Now they have access to the classified information. Now they're able to understand this kingdom. They thought it was going to be on the earth. They thought it was a place for them now. Now they see, oh, it's the kingdom of God. It's, it's bigger than I thought. He, he's got a bigger thing for me. He's got a bigger thing for our church. Hallelujah. Or you started to hear what I'm saying. God, but he sent them to Jerusalem and he said, I need you to go there. I need you to wait. God really needs the church to be willing to wait for what it is that he wants to do. 
I know we get frustrated and we get impatient. But what God is really looking for today is for a church that is willing to wait. Say, Lord, I don't mind waiting. I really don't mind waiting, God, just like your disciples. God, I'm going to stay right where you got me, and I'm going to wait on you until you move, until I get this outpouring. Oh, we can sing Let It Rain every Sunday, but until you're fully surrendered, it ain't going to rain on you. Until you're fully surrendered, we, we can see there's a fresh, fresh fire. But until you're fully surrendered, that fire ain't going to come anywhere near you. Because you've until you allow yourself to move from a place of isolation to a place of seclusion, to say, God, I am set aside solely for you. Use me how you want to use me. Oh, God, let me have access to the classified details. Hallelujah. Amen. Just like our president gets a classified debriefing every day, a couple times a day. Amen. But there are even some things the FBI and the CIA can't tell about the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. There are some things, and there will come a day when they're going to come to the church for details. Say, what is it that's going on? Or is somebody hearing me? There's an outpouring of the Spirit. Go ahead and turn that on for me, Sister Geneva. There's an outpouring of the Spirit that is coming to the body of Christ in America. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. There's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's coming that I believe the White House, the FBI, the CIA, and every other dumb agency we got that isn't going to understand what's coming. They're going to come to the church and say, can you tell me what's happening in the church? Can you tell me what's happening across? The we don't understand this. We don't understand all that's going on. And they're really going to be looking for a church when Jesus comes back and we're all caught up in glory. They're going to come looking for answers then. But guess what? What? We'll all be gone. Diet or exercise. Because we had the classified details in the body. given to us by the Holy Ghost. Oh my God. My God, my God. My God, my God. My God, my God. See the reason you and I need to have be a be and have a be a people of vision in this place. The reason we're able to do all that we're doing is because of the Holy Ghost. Because he's downloaded something in some of our spirits. It's bigger than us. Greater than us. I see things in my spirit that it almost looks like a dream, but it's just within reach. I mean, it's just within reach right now. Some of you have been impatient because... The things that you saw, the things that people prophesied of, they weren't a lie. They were real. They were real. God brought you to a moment right now. He says, I just need to know that you'll wait on it. I just need to know that you'll wait on it, that you'll Listen like disciples did and that you'll go and that you'll lay down all the walls of isolation. And you'll step into this place of seclusion where you'll set yourself aside and say, I am the Lord's. I'm set aside for you. See, while you've been waiting on God to visit you in your place of isolation, He won't. But He will visit you 
If you'll set yourself aside and you'll say, God, I surrender to a place of seclusion. Use me. Do in me whatever it is you need to do. See, I know what it is to have an outburst like Peter. I even know what it is to doubt like Thomas. And I even know what it is to contemplate the same thoughts that Judas had. That's why I love God so much. Because he understands me in my doubt, in my outburst. And he understands me. Even when I've wanted to quit. But every time I've wanted to quit, every time I've wanted to have an outburst, every time I've doubted, what the only thing that's allowed me to stay where I am is he visited me. He visited me. The only thing that's rescued some of us in this place is that he visited you. When there was no one else to visit you. When they all walked away and when they all judge you and when they all talk about you, he visited you. In the middle of the night, he visited you. God gave me this word because he needs you and I to be a people that'll be secluded. Don't you dare think it's going to be easy to take this city by force. I'm already fighting the battles. But what he said to me when I read Acts 1, he says, Adam, if you set yourself aside and you can get those people to be secluded. If you can do that, then you're going to be my witness. Then you're going to have access to the classified information that you're going to need to do what I've called you to do. Somebody got to hear me. In other words, the only way we're going to see our family saved, see our city saved and set on fire. I want to see this city so on fire for God it makes the ABC World News tonight. That CNN has to come and report how every church in the city is on fire for God. People walking down the street getting just saved and falling out in the presence and power of God. Are you hearing me? I want the world to have to come to report on it. What I'm seeing in my spirit that God wants to do, God needs to know that you're still included and that you're done being isolated. That you'll let what's hurt you, what's going wrong in your life, you'll let it go and say, God, yeah, that's happened to me. But I'm willing to be secluded for you. And if you'll do that, God will heal you, restore you, work miracles in your life. And he will do what he said in Acts 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power. Some of us have thought that we have experienced the power. You've not seen anything yet. I really believe most of the church pastor has not seen the full, genuine power of God.
power that God wants you and I to have access to is more and greater than most of us have ever witnessed. How do I know that? Because it's what I see in my spirit. Stand to your feet. This, this closing this morning is going to be simple because I've already run over. God is looking for you to be secluded. The only way that some of our visions and our families are going to be set on fire. When, when your daughter said prophetically, I believe, what she said to you. The only way that when my daughter said what she said to me. is if we're secluded, not isolated. I don't want to be so isolated that people that are in the world that need Jesus can't come. I want to be so secluded that I'm so in love with God that I can't help but shower them with the love of God no matter who they are and where they come from. I may not agree with them, but I can hug them. I might not like what they did, but I can hug them and love them because I'm that secluded, set aside, poured out on and filled with the Holy Ghost. I won't even take the time to tell you what I see in my spirit. But I'm telling you, for every person that says I'm willing to be secluded, everything that you've ever experienced, the awesome power of God, He's about to just demonstrate to you how much more powerful he really is. I said last week, we're about to enter a season of divine miracles. That's just the beginning. Whew. I want every person that says, I'm willing, Lord, to be secluded. I want you where you are, whether you're at home watching online or you're in this room. I want you just to lift your hands in an act of surrender. that we're not going to be a, a church and a people of isolation. That right now, God is going to begin to tear down the walls that you've erected around yourself. You've allowed those walls to be a, a means to keep yourself protected, but that just means that you're not letting God do his job. Honey, let God be God. He So, Father, I pray over every hand that God has raised in this place. Father, it's our act of surrender. That God, that you would take us from a place of isolation and insulation to a place of seclusion. God, I'm set aside for you. God, I, I'm set aside for you. And I trust you enough to be God that you're going to bring access into my life of those who will bless me and not curse me and not hurt me. 
Even right now, God is anesthetizing some of your all's pain in this place because of your hand going up and you're saying, I I'm not going to be isolated anymore. Instead, I'm going to be secluded for him. He's numbing that pain of your life. In the name of Jesus. Now, Father, use these people with their hands lifted. Use them for your kingdom. Use them in this place. That, God, these will be the real spiritual arsonists. That, God, you're going to use to set a place, a people in a city on fire. But, God, let it begin in us. I'm set aside for you, Lord. I'm yours. And Lord, we don't mind waiting. We don't mind waiting till you do what you need to do. God, do in us what you need to do in us. Change our attitudes in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, I sense your presence. I sense your Holy Ghost in this place. We're yours, God. No longer isolated. No longer isolated. No longer isolated, but I am secluded for you. Secluded for you. Father, I pray that today be a day and a shift of events. And that God, as we go through this week, and we celebrate our holiday weekend, and God, as we return on Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, let us be able to have a genuine, genuine outpouring of the Holy Ghost, Pentecost experience in our lives. A fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost. Fresh baptism of fire all over this place. And that God we be changed. Change us. Now God have your way. Lord, you be glorified. I know that I know that this was a word from heaven. So now, do what only you can do, God, in this place and in our lives as we're fully secluded for you. In the name above every other name, Jesus Christ, we love you and we praise you. Now, Father, we're going to leave this place and we're going to give of our tithes and offerings when we do. Bless and multiply it. Provide and bring increase.
God, I even pray today as people give this seed as they've stepped into to seclusion, out of a place of isolation, maybe the blessings that you've had for them couldn't get to them because they were too isolated and insulated. Oh, but God, now I've stepped into seclusion. God, I pray that you would bless your church abundantly as they sow into your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, we give you glory and honor and praise for it. The church says, amen, amen. God bless you today.